Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. All right. Good morning. Good morning. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, my name is Samuel, and welcome to Life West. We're so glad you're here. And just real quick, one of our things here, really the main thing when when we started Life West, that God really laid in our heart was this. He says, you're going to equip and empower people to be and do all that God has for them. Like when you get saved, it's not like, yay, okay, you're done until you die and then there's heaven. It's like, what do you got to do right now? And you were, God, God placed you, and I believe this with all of my heart, right here, right now in this timeline, you can look around and maybe you think, man, it would have been really fun to have been born 50 years ago or 60 or, or oh, this would be great. Let me just say, No, right here, right now, the world needs who God created you to be. And we want to help you to know what that is, discover what your gifts and talents are, and then use those to build the kingdom of God. And that's what we want to do. And one of the the main ways that we do that is through something that happens every month. You probably hear us talk about it. It's called Growth Track. And that happens on the first, during the first service, so this one right here that you're already at, that happens during that first service up in, uh, in this building here, right up behind this sound booth. There's some stairs right outside this door here. And so after that second song, you'll hear our worship leader or somebody on the worship team say, growth track, you are dismissed. And if you're like, hey, I want to know what my gifts and talents are. I want to discover how God designed, made me and how to, how to make a difference and use that to build the kingdom of God, then that's for you. You don't have to sign up for it. That's for any and everybody. You can jump in anytime. It's four weeks and it starts and restarts the first Sunday of every month. So if you've like, hey, I missed one, then yeah, or you know, I'm, like, I'm not going to be here for four straight Sundays, we've got this thing here, or something happens and you miss it, you can jump back in and fill in some gaps and get that all done. But I encourage every single one of you, every one of you to go through that, whether you call Life West home or not. And if you're like, no, this is my church, then absolutely, get, get in there. Then just do it, do it. You can start next week or you can start next month but get in there. We want to help you to not just live life, but get it done. Make a difference in your world. But we're in a series right now, and it's called A New Normal, flipping the script on society. And we can get used to some things that aren't really a good idea. It just becomes normal, whether it's good or bad. It, it, it's just normal. Um, I, how many of you sleep with a fan? Anybody else sleep with a fan on? I do. Um, Growing up, we lived, we had a quarter mile long driveway, so we lived way off the road. And then I went to college and lived in an apartment with lots of neighbors and roads and expressways and all this stuff, and I just found it hard to sleep. Like even as a kid, I'd go over to my friend's house and cars would drive by and I'd wake up. And I'm like, what's going on? I I wasn't used to hearing that noise. Well, I got used to a fan, like absolutely, I just get used to it. And I wear fans out. Like you just, you turn them on at night and then they they just wear out and you're like, really? Some fans last, some don't. And our last fan started like squeaking, like random squeaks would wake, and you wake up and you, in the middle of you crawl over there and you're tipping it one way or another and trying to get it to stop squeaking. So we ordered another one and that one got there and we we plugged it in and it worked, but it's, it's, it's not right. It kind of goes, but I've gotten used to it. Like, I know I could send it back and get another one, but I've gotten used to it. And so I'll lay there at night and I'll turn it on and I'm like, I should really do something about that. 
that works. And I just go to sleep. Like, I get used to it. And it's amazing how we can get used to some things that aren't the best. They really aren't. And in our lives, we get used to some things, and we have some normals that aren't the best that God designed for us. And so we're looking at how to, what are some normals that we can change, get some new normals that line up with God's word, and we can have his best for our life instead of just what the world is doing, instead of just getting caught up with those that are around us and the things that are just happening. So we're going to dive into that, but I do want to let you know that next week, James Sonic is going to be here. And now you might think, okay, who is this and what is this? I have no idea who this is. Well, one, I've got a picture, so that will help. This is him. This is James Sonic. But James Sonic is one of our overseers. And really what that is, is the overseers of LifeWest are three pastors that pastor other churches here in the States, and they really are my accountability. So they listen to the messages, and they're going to make sure that what, what, what we're preaching is right, and if there's trouble here, the elders are like, hey, Samuel's doing something wrong, or he's, something's not right with them, you know. And James is one of our overseers that would come in and kind of solve some problems and take care of some businesses, some things started to go down that were wrong. But let me just say, I, I, I say that because he has been a part of Life West since before we started it. And when we said, hey, we, I want somebody who I can go to and, and ask questions and, and somebody who's further along in this journey than I am and, and who believes in us and the work and will, will pray for the people that are going to be coming to Life West. This is before you were, or I were even here. Somebody who will be praying for him and has a heart for Allendale. And, and we were talking about who. And James like, I'd love to do that. I'd love to be in your corner and be praying for you and help you when you need trouble. And, and so I'm really excited for you to get to meet him He's been praying for you and believing in you and what God's going to do in and through you for a very long time, and he's going to get to be with us next Sunday. But all that, we are in this series, A New Normal, and, and two weeks ago, I got to kind of start this, this subject of words, like what, we're, what, what we are saying. And, and we looked at Proverbs 18.21 that says this, it says, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those that love it will eat its fruit. Just talk about the power of our words. What is that? We said words are incredibly powerful. In fact, they're so powerful that in Matthew 12, it says this, but I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word. That's like, that's like crazy. Because how many of you have ever said anything that you regret saying? How many of you said something this morning that you regret saying? You're like, yeah, okay, oops. But the reason that the Bible is so clear about this is God wants us to know how powerful our words are. And last time, we really talked a lot about negative words, about speaking negatively, and how when we speak negatively about situations, that really we're conceding that area of our life. Because the way that we resist the devil, the Bible says resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay, but then how do I resist the devil? We resist him with our words. So when we jump out there and we just, we just say things like, well, I'm getting sick. Oh, here it comes. When we say things like, my marriage just sucks, we're, we're conceding these areas of our life. We're conceding it. Oh, I'll never be able to afford that. I'll never graduate. When we, when we say these things, we are opening the door for the devil in these areas. And I'm not blaming every wrong thing that happens on the devil. But when we talk like this, it's not good. And really, it's every one of our words have power. Every one of them, the ones that we, we think about, the ones that we quickly say, the ones that we regret, all of it, sarcasm, 
And I think for some reason, when we, we like to say I'm joking and we think that gives us, we think that gives us a, a license to say things that we would never say. But then we say, oh, I'm joking. Oh, it's just a joke. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, you get it's a joke, right? Let me just say this. All of those words have incredible, incredible, incredible power. Incredible power. Think of, think of the stuff that Jesus spoke to. In Mark chapter 11, in Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus says this, I tell you the truth, if anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask when you pray, believe it and you will receive it and it will be yours. Jesus says, hey, talk to mountains. In Matthew 21, Jesus talked to a tree. He went up to a tree. He said, hey, there's no fruit on it. He said, may nobody eat fruit from you ever again. The Bible says, and the tree withered up and died. He says, hey, talk to mountains. He talked to plants and he talked to weather. He and the disciples are headed across the lake. A storm comes up and the Bible says that he rebuked the wind. He said, quiet, be still. And the wind and the waves obeyed him. Jesus spoke. He said, speak to the mountain. He spoke to plants. He spoke to the wind and it all listened. Every bit of it. And then think of this. Jesus told his disciples, these things that I have done, you will do and greater. Jesus said it. So what are you speaking over your marriage, over your car, over your house? I hear people talk about their cars. Not a piece of junk always. And I'm like, mm-mm. Mm-mm, I don't care what my car looks like and how much rust is on it. It is not a piece of junk. I think you're from mechanic angels that work on that thing, and this is going to last a long time. A long time. I'm gonna, I, I, absolutely, 100%. No, what are we speaking over these things, our relationships, all of it? Because our tongue steers our life. Our tongue steers our life. We were um, driving a boat. I was out on the boat one day. And uh, we were doing some skiing, and we're zipping around, and we're, and we're goofing off, and uh, it, was, it was a ski boat. So it has the, the motors inside, the motors actually up in the middle, has a drive shaft that goes out to a propeller, kind of like a big ship. Uh, the, the motor itself doesn't turn, the motor's mounted in the middle. Again, drive shaft, propeller on the back, and then it's got a rudder. Well, we're cruising along, and I don't remember who was behind the boat, but somebody, somebody fell off. So they, they fell off, like not the back of the boat, they're on a tube or skiing or something like that. So we turn around to go get him, and I turn around, remember I was driving, and I come back, and I put the gear in neutral, and as I do, it was a really calm day, we're at the calm end of the lake looking for the really calm water, and as I put the boat in neutral and we start to glide, I feel like a doom, like we hit something, but I'm like, I know we didn't hit anything, like what's going on? And then I almost felt like somebody took the brakes off the boat. And I'm like, what in the world? But we're going towards the down person, the the person floating in the water. And so I turn and we kind of turn around and and I turn a little bit so that the rope would, you know, they'd be between me and the rope. And I was like a really good driver. I'm like, they're going to get right there and I'll get the rope right to them. This is going to be great. And so I turn a little bit and then I go to put it in gear. And so I grab the throttle and I put it in gear and the engine goes, but we don't go anywhere. And what had happened was this, is the cotter pin, this is a little tiny cotter pin that holds the propeller on the drive shaft, came off, and when I put it in neutral, 
the drag of the water on the propeller was enough, it took the propeller right off the boat. The propeller and the noise I hit, I heard, was the propeller hitting the rudder on its way off the boat. And so we're sitting in there, and sure enough, I jumped down, I put some goggles on, we have them just in case you get ropes caught in anything, and I look, and there's just, there's there's this drive shaft just coming down, there's nothing at the end of it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Now the lucky thing was this, is that boat, the rudder was still there, so I could still steer, because all the power of that boat, and that boat had a lot of power, but all of it was controlled by the little tiny rudder. In our words, the Bible says, in James chapter 3, it says this about our words. It says, if if you can control your tongue, it proves that he has perfect control over his entire body in every way. Verse 3, we can make a large horse turn and go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Verse 4, and a tiny rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot wants it to go. Even though the winds are strong, so also the tongue is a small thing, but what enormous damage it can do. A great forest can be set at a fire by a tiny spark. Verse 6, and the tongue is a flame of fire. It is full of wickedness and poisons every part of the body. And the tongue is set on fire by hell itself and can turn our whole lives into a blazing flame of destruction and disaster. It talks about the power of our tongue. It says it's this little thing It's this little tiny thing that steers everything that we're doing. And the same power that it has for evil, it can also be used for good. And we talked a lot about the negativity of our words and not not doing it, not just letting go of areas of our life, not conceding that with negative talk, but saying no and resisting the devil. But I want to talk today not just about the negative talk, but what, the opposite of negative talk. And it's not positive. It's not like, I got a great attitude. It's going to be wonderful. We No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about being ultra positive and just always like half full, even when the glass is broken. You're like, no, it's still wonderful. No, that's not what I'm talking about. There's something, there's something different. The opposite of negative for us, it, it's not positive. It's faith. Let me just say this. Faith speaks. That's what I want to talk about today is faith speaks. Now, please, this is not name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. That's that's, that's not what we are talking about. But it's faith and speaking in faith. Because there's so much that we can do with our words. But the most powerful thing that we can do with them is speak in faith. Mark chapter 5 is where we're going to go for this. And here's what it says. You can follow on the screen. Hopefully, you have your Bible. Mark chapter 5, verse 25 says, now a certain woman had a flow of blood for over 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all she had and was no better, but rather grew, ver- grew worse. Verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I may touch his clothes, I'll be made well. And immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing that power had gone out of him, turned around to the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? Verse 31. But his disciples said to him, you see the multitude thronging you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who, to see her who had done the thing. Verse 33. But the woman, 
fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Now, Jesus says in verse 34, daughter, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. But what is it if we go back to verse 26, this is what we see. Mark chapter 5, verse 26, that she'd suffered many things from many physicians. She spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, why was she healed? Because of her faith. But how did she have this faith and what happened? What, 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 what happened there? Because here's the thing. The Bible says that when Jesus asked, who touched me? The disciples are like, everybody's touching you. What are you talking about? The crowd is all around you. Something was different about this woman and what this woman did that got her healing that everybody else in the same crowd at the same moment, there was other people who were there who were touching Jesus that did not get healed. But this woman did. So what did she do? What made her different? What is this? And we know, we see what healed her. It was her faith. But let's look in here at the story and let's see what she did. Number one, verse 27, when she'd heard about Jesus... So she heard about what Jesus was doing. The Bible says in Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And this is why it's so important to know the word of God, to know where we stand because of what God's word says. Years ago, a pastor came to church. I love what he did. He said, he said everybody hold up your Bibles. Everybody, we all held up our Bibles. And he says, repeat after me. He says, this is my Bible. And we all yelled, this is my Bible. And he said this. He says, here we go. He says, I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. And this is God's word, and this is his promise to me. I remember that. I don't know why, but I remember that so, so well. But it's so important that we know God's word because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This woman heard it. And here's the thing you have to think of with me is, is this, is she didn't just have the Bible. In fact, so much of the Bible wasn't even written or was being written at that time. What she heard was somebody's story. In religious circles, we would say this, what she heard was somebody's testimony, somebody's story of what God did. She's probably in her small group, and somebody was like, hey, that Jesus guy, I went. It was real. And somebody else was like, no, it wasn't. And then the other one was like, oh, yes, it was. Look at my hand. It was this, and now it's this. He's real. And she's like, okay. She heard that. She heard that, and then she believed. So she heard, and she believed. And we know she believed because Jesus said, your faith is what made you well. Your faith has made you well. But verse 28, look what, look what she did. In verse 28, it says this, for she said, for she said, if only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. She said, and that's why today's title is Faith Speaks. Faith Speaks. Faith is kind of like, like our words, I think it's kind of like money. Money in my wallet, if I leave it there, what good is it going to do me? I'm not going to do any good. I might sit a little like weird, depending on how much I have in my wallet. But money that just stays in my wallet doesn't do any good. It does nothing. Years ago, uh, we took a trip out to Montana, and we're out there staying on this, on, on this ranch. And as, as you pull in the ranch, there was this kind of interesting rundown old house. And I got, kind of got to know the guy that, that lived there. 
And because I'd gone there several times over the years, and I began to talk with this guy and really hear his story. And he was an interesting guy, kind of a hermit of, of, of sorts. He's lived in the same house his entire life. Um, the house actually was a house that was ordered out of the Sears catalog and delivered by train. And, and you, just, you just had the house and, they came and the, the kit, and then you just built it. And this is the house he lives in. And the funny thing is, he's actually very wealthy, multi-multi-millionaire. However, I mean, he does. He does have two cars. He has two Volkswagen Bugs, um, one that he drives and one that he uses for parts. He lives in this rundown house. Um, he rarely drives the car because he doesn't want to pay for the gas that it uses to, to drive the car, so he walks to the post office. And I loved it in the little town, like you go to the post office and it was kind of a self-serve post office. The mailbag was usually outside and I saw it several times, outside the post office until you would dig through it, find your mail. Well, he would walk over there and he would get his mail and he would bring it back because he wouldn't drive the car. And he's got all kinds of parts and it's a little bit rundown looking to most people, but he's like, well, this is, I use this to repair this and I use this to repair this. And, and he does every little thing you can think of to run, to, to earn extra money. He, he runs the weather station for the town and uh, weather services pay him because he gets out there and he measures all the rain and the wind and all of his gauges are what get used by national weather service. I mean, he does, he does all these odd job, little things all over the place, but he lives like he has absolutely nothing. He's worth millions and millions of dollars, but it does him absolutely no good. He said he has no relatives and no one to pass it on to. It's not like he's like, no, I'm doing this for my kids, kids, kids. No, none of it. How many of you think is kind of a waste? He has the resources, but he refuses to use them. Faith that we do not speak, faith is released when we speak. We have to speak it. Money just left in your wallet, it'll burn a hole. It does nothing. You have to take it out and you have to use it. You give it in exchange. Faith speaks. This woman got healed because, let me just say, she spoke. She not only believed it, but she spoke it. And it is so easy when it comes to our words to think, well, it, they really don't mean anything. Let me just say, it's so much more than just words. Matthew 12, 37 says it this way. By your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. Our words are so powerful. They're so powerful. And certain words, I think we just naturally realize that. I remember when I was, I had decided, I was like, yep, I was dating Becca, and uh, I was like, I, I, I love her, I know I do. And I'm like, I'm going to tell her. And I had never told um, any girl besides my mom and my sister that I loved her before. And I was like, like my brothers, and I know I'd never told a guy, like I know that. But I was like, nope, I do, and I'm going to tell her. And I was like, this is a big deal. I'm like, it's just words. But it means so much more than just a word. And faith, when we speak in faith, when we stand on God's words, and we begin to speak, and we say, no, I'm healed in Jesus' name, because by his stripes... I am healed. And we speak in faith. 
And we speak in faith and we say, okay, God, I believe that your word is true, that you supply all of my needs according to your riches and glory, and I see that there's a gap, but God, I need you to come through. So I thank you, God, that I am going to be able to pay these bills. God, I do not know how. And let me just say, we don't just sit on our butts and be like, God, bring it. Did you get that call for overtime? You go get it. Don't be like, nope, I'm waiting for God. Sorry, don't need it. No. No, it's like, no, there's the opportunity. Go and do it. Don't be like the, the girl I heard about who said, I really want a digital camera. And I don't have, I mean, I have enough money for rent, but the, but the Bible says that God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. So I'm going to go buy the digital camera instead of paying my rent. And then be like, God, why didn't you come through? Like, no, don't, don't, don't be that person. Don't be that person. And again, this is not name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. That's not what this is, but it's standing on God's word. It's getting our, our words to line up with what God's word says. And be like, okay, God, I, I'm going to speak the way that you say to speak. It's not ignoring facts. It's not ignoring. It's not you chop your arm off and it's missing and you're like, nope, it's there. By faith, I say it's there. And we're like, no, it's not. That's, that's, not, that's not what this is. That's, that's not what this is at all. I love what it says in Romans 4, talking about Abraham, because God told Abraham, I will make you the father of many nations. And this is what it says about Abraham. God spoke to Abraham. God told him that. And this is what it says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Verse 19, I love the way that this is worded. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He didn't act like, oh no, everything's just fine. No, he knew. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced it. He's like, okay, I see that. Since he was a hundred years old, so you can kind of like come up with his body as good as dead. You can figure out what that is. He's a hundred years old. Since he was a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead, verse 20, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, verse 21, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised. He didn't ignore the facts. He wasn't like, none of this is true, the situation, I'm just going to ignore it and act like it's not there. No, he faced those facts, but he said, God I have a fact-changing God. I believe that God will come through with his promise for me. This is going to work because God said that it will. We talked two weeks ago about the law of gravity. What goes up comes right back down. I asked if you guys have ever jumped and then stayed in the air. Everyone's like, nope, everybody comes back down. That's gravity, right? Do we all agree that gra gravity is real? Raise your hand if you agree that gravity is real. Not so sure. Okay, okay, a couple of you aren't sure. But then how do planes fly? They're like, yeah, I love that. How do planes fly? If gravity is real, how do planes fly? Well, because there's a law of lift. And the law of lift is stronger than the law of gravity. And let me just say, we don't ignore it. And here's what faith is. Faith is knowing what God's word has to say facing the facts about situations in our life and saying, God, I know you are greater 
than these facts. That you are a fact-changing God. And I thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, that my marriage can be restored, that these people can come back, that God, that you can, that I am forgiven, so I'm going to say that I am forgiven, that you have forgiven me, that the devil might be trying to bring this back up, and so are these people over here, but God, you've forgiven me, and I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus, God. Behold, all things are new, God. And, and we stand on the promises of God, and we proclaim them, and we say them. It's something to feel something on the inside. It's something completely different to say it. There's so much power in our words. The woman at the well said, if I but touch his garment, I will be healed. There was other people around. There's other people touching Jesus, but they didn't get healed. But she stood in faith and she said, and she said, there's so much power in our words. And let me just say, it releases our faith. Maybe you come from a circle where they talk about head faith and heart faith. And it's, I've heard it so many times that people go, well, I believe something in my head, but how do I get it in my heart and back and forth? And let me just say, I don't know where, I, I personally don't know the difference of something that's in my head or in my heart, but what I know is what I speak, what I speak. God, I'm going to speak it because I believe it's real. And there's so many things that I don't understand, but I trust that, God, your word is true. Your word is true. So I choose to trust and to believe on that. Hebrews 3.1 really, I think, paints an amazing picture of our words. It says, therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ. He's the high priest of our confession. What is it that you are confessing over your life? I think this is why it is so important, because the Bible says it, to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. If he's the high priest of our confession, let me just say this, then would it be possible for us to limit God with our confession? To draw a box and say, well, God, I don't want, I'm not going to allow you in this one. I remember several years ago, uh, one of my neighbors didn't shovel his driveway. And at the time, we had several retired elderly neighbors that lived around us, which are just my favorite. They're great. Um, But they would, like, if a leaf would fall, the three of them would compete to be like, who could have the absolute cleanest yard? And like, when snow, like three snowflakes fall, and they're all out there like shoveling and moving all of the snow out of the way and seeing who can get it done the fastest. And I'm like, I've got four wheel drive. I won't, I don't, I'm not gonna think I'm gonna plow this year. I had to drive in and out. And, and they all laughed at me, and I was the young guy. Anyways, well, one time I, I noticed that my neighbor didn't shovel his driveway. And I'm like, well, something's got to be wrong because there's like a half inch of snow and he hasn't gone out there and taken care of this immediately. So I went over and I knocked on the door. I said, hey, I said, I noticed you didn't do your driveway. Do you need some help? And he kind of hobbles outside. He goes, actually, I do. He's like, I hurt my knee. And I'm like, oh, that's too bad. I'm like, well, would you like me to pray for you? And he looks at me and he goes, just looks at me really weird. And I'm like, I go, God can heal your knee. Would you like me to pray for you? And he looks at me and he goes, well, with, with the doctor's help, maybe he could. And I'm like, no, no, he could heal your knee. And he's like, no, he can't. 
And I was like, okay, I'm, like, I'm not, I'm not going to pray for this guy. I'm like, I'm not going to pray for this guy. I'm not going to pray for the guys like, God can't heal me. I am not going to do it. Why? Because he's the high priest of our confession. And is it possible that by what we say, we can actually miss promises that God has for us? The children of Israel, think about it this way with me. The children of Israel, God said, he led them out of Egypt. He said, I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. He's like, I promised it to Abraham, and now I'm going to deliver it to you, to his descendants. This is you. Let's go. So Moses leads the children of Israel to the promised land. They get there. They finally make it. They've seen miracle after miracle after miracle. God has provided. He split the sea. Water comes out of a rock. God is guiding them. The Bible says, at night, there was a pillar of fire in the air, and when it would move, they would follow the pillar of fire. In the day, it was a cloud, and they would follow the cloud, and when the cloud rested, they rested, and when the cloud moved, they, they moved. God is supernaturally leading them all through this. They get to the promised land. They finally get there, the place that God said, I will give you this land. They get there. They send in 12 spies. One leader from each of the tribes to go in. They go in, they scout out the land, they come back. The 12 spies come back. They gather the people together. The elders all come together. The 12 spies give the report. 10 of the spies said, the land is amazing, but there are giants there. The descendants of Anak are there. We cannot take the land. What did God say? God said they could. God said, I'll give you the land. But these 10 come back, they say that we can't. And they convince everybody else of the same. The Bible says that night they all go home and they're all like, well, did you hear and I hear and I heard? And they're getting in their small groups and they're just like, I don't know about this. I know Joshua brought us here. We got Moses when Joshua was there and he liked it. And yeah, Joshua and Caleb said we could go in, but everybody else says that we can't go in. I don't know about this. And so they're going back and forth. And what they... the people as a whole come back together and they say, we cannot go. They get so upset about it. They say, get rid of Moses. Let's get another leader who will raise, will raise let's, let's vote a new one who will take us back to Egypt. We're done. It's time to go. God had said yes. God said, I'll give you this promise. And I love what it says. Numbers 14. God is speaking. He says this. How long will I bear with this evil generation who complains against me? I have heard the complaints which the children of Israel spoke against me. And now he's telling Moses, this is what you are to say to them. He says, say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. God's promise was you can go in. They looked at it and they said, we can't, we refuse to believe God's promise. And God said, fine, what you have spoken is exactly what you'll get. What they spoke stopped them from stepping into the promise that God had for them. Our words are so powerful. Yeah, we don't want to be negative, but let me just say this, faith speaks. Faith speaks. We look at what God's word says and we say, that is what I'm going to say. I am going to stand on that. If God's word says I'm healed, I'm healed. If God's word says that I can have kids, then I'm going to have kids, and we're going to stand on it, and I'm going to believe it, and I'm going to say it. Abraham had to say it. 
over and over. In fact, God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham because it meant father of many. So think of this. Abraham is waiting for the promise. It's not happening. God told him, you're going to have kids. It's not happening. And every, but God changed his name. And every time somebody changed, every time somebody says his name, you want to know what they're saying? Father of many nations. He has no kids. You think that would become a sore spot after a while? How about after the first year? Second year? Third year? Fourth year? Eighth year? Tenth year? He's waiting on the promise, and every time somebody says his name, they're saying, Father of nations. But I think eventually that took seed in him. I know that it did because he believed, because faith without works is dead. It does not happen. But finally, he believed, it happened, and he had the child. What is it that we're saying? Our words matter so much. We see in Scripture that we can, by what we say, we can miss out on promises that God has for us. Let's make sure that they line up. What we're saying lines up with the Word of God. The things that we're holding out of, don't give up. Don't give up and stop speaking in faith. Don't just hold it inside and say, I believe it. Say, God, if your Word is true, then that is what I'm going to believe. I choose to believe that. Your Word says that the children of the righteous are taught by the Lord. So God, I thank you that you're teaching them. That the places that I mess up and make mistakes, God, that you're going to fill those gaps. God, lead me in everything that I say and everything that I do, but you love them even more than I do, whether they're here or whether they're far. Your word says, God, that a wife is a gift from the Lord, so God, I thank you that my wife is a gift from you. She might not know it, but she is. And you speak it. You speak life over your relationship, over your marriage. And you say, God, I want your best for me. I want that. Your word says, with long life, you will satisfy me. Not that it'll be a drudging life that I go through, but no. Your word says that you came to give life and life to the fullest. Not just a drudge through, go through, punch time clock, live for the weekend life, but give me life to the fullest. God, I, I thank you that I'm going to have that. Get in growth track. Begin to do what you can. Discover what your gifts and talents and passions are. Get in a small group. Get connected. Get surrounded by some people who will challenge you to be and do all that God created you to be and to do. Ask for forgiveness. If there's some things that you've been saying about your relationship, about God, about your body, about your job, any of it, ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask somebody. Maybe you just need to ask God and say, God, forgive me for the way that I've been speaking. God, I don't want to just not be negative, but I want to be a person of faith who speaks and speak in faith. Stand on God's promises. Stand on God's promises. God, your word says that the joy of the Lord is my strength. God, I need your joy. I thank you for your joy filling me, that that is my strength. You are my strength, not the surroundings. God, I thank you for your peace. Your word says that your peace passes all understanding. God, I need that because what's around me is going crazy. God, I thank you that you fill me with your peace every day that I have your peace. God, I thank you. I do not walk by fear. And we just stand on God's promise. Speak in faith. Say it out loud. If you have to say it by yourself, say it by yourself. Get in your car. Scream it if you need to. But say it. 
So God, I know your word is true. I'm going to stand on it and begin to speak in faith. Because you said, I came to give you life and life to the fullest. Let's not let our talk keep us away from the promises that God has for us. Every one of our words has power. And every one of us need to work on it. I know I do. Over and over. Oh, God, I need to line this up. And we get it right. But before we leave, and we're out of time, I want to make sure that every one of you know where you stand with God. Because here's the deal. We take words, and we come to God, and we say, God, I've fallen short. I want what you have for me. The Bible says if we believe in our heart, here it is again. If we believe it, and we confess it with our mouth, there has to be action with it. And it starts with that right there, that we confess it with our mouth. We say, God, I need you. He says, they will be saved. That God will come and forgive us, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we can begin to walk out the plan, the purpose that he has for us. So if that's you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes, everybody in here. And if you are like, today I want to give my life to him. I want to know where I stand with him. And I'd love the honor of praying with you. And the reason that I ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes is for you to just close out everything around you and give the Holy Spirit time and place to speak to you, to lead you. If you're here and you say, today's my day, I want to be forgiven, I want to be set free, I want to know right where I stand with God. I want to leave here knowing where I stand, forgiven, set free, and begin to walk out the plan and purpose he has for me. If that's you, then on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and then right in your seat, we're going to pray. And when we say amen, you can know right where you stand with God. One, two, three, lift it up high and say, that's me. Today is my day. I'm giving my life, my heart, my all to him. All right, well, God, we just come before you. And God, we believe you. We believe your word. And we speak in faith right now. God, forgive us for giving voice to fear instead of faith. In the name of Jesus, God, we submit our mouths to you that we might got to just learn to control our tongue. We're determined that hell will not set our tongues on fire. We renounce, reject, and repent of every word that has ever come out of our mouth against you, against God, and your operation. We cancel it, and we dedicate our mouths to speak the truth that's found in your word that every word that we would say, God, would help to bring life. Thank you for forgiving us, for setting us free, for all that you're doing both in and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.